going to try to work through some potentially interesting ideas. Uh, so there's a, a phenomena in, in human experience which we might call the death of desires and uh, it's an awful feeling and, and to bring it, it just to jog our memory because surely we've all had it at one point or another. It's when we frankly we don't care. We don't give a shoot about anything. Uh, it may be we're at work. It may be we're at home right? and uh, all of a sudden we just something clicks and just nothing matters. I don't care. I don't even want to get up. I don't even care about money. I don't even care about pleasure. I don't even care about uh, my hobbies and, and my friends and my family. I just don't care. Maybe not everybody has had uh, this experience but plenty have and it's well uh, established in, in literature and philosophy and, and poetry and, and theater and, and drama and uh, plays and all that kind of stuff. Extremes of it that when it's when it continues, uh, ex some terms that could bring it to mind: depression, existential angst, um, emptiness, all that kind of stuff. But even uh, people that don't suffer from that kind of stuff long term still probably have had little flashes where it's like nothing matters. So try to discuss that and and, and work out some concepts there for our uh, betterment, hopefully. Uh, so. Let's take a, let's take a, a, a miser. A miser is somebody that loves money, very much so, unusually so. We all love money, but like to an extreme. Somebody who hoards, right? Let me every penny, let me hoard it under my pillowcase, that kind of stuff. So let's say this miser has a, a, a jewel that is very, very precious. So we can imagine a miser loves a penny. We can imagine how much a miser loves a jewel, very much so. So uh, the, the miser, of course, consequently has a, a very strong emotional attachment to the jewel. And every time that he or she sees um, the, the, the jewel, it's a, it's a great experience. It's, ah, my precious. Isn't there a movie like that? Rings, Lord of the Rings, with the, 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 the little guy there. He's like, my precious, my precious. Yeah, that exactly, maybe we subliminally got that uh, uh, example from that movie. That's... <laughs> Uh, it's like, uh, yeah, my precious, my ring, my precious, this is, this is my, my way, right? This is the way to go. So what's the reason why uh, the, the hoarder loves the jewel? So we would say it's because the, or, or the, the miser, the hoarder, whatever it is, whatever you want to say, uh, because uh, he or she is greedy, but that's not really a, a deep answer, is it? Because then we just say, why is he or she greedy? There's people that have the same type of desire for something else, such as an, a piece of art or somebody else for a book, right? it doesn't have to be the jewel and it doesn't have to be somebody else is addicted like that to giving to charity. So it's not a, it's simply using a word like that, it, greedy. It doesn't really tell us much, maybe descriptively, but but not too much conceptually, right? So eh, we would have to push further and we would say, what makes the, the miser greedy? And we would have to think about an experience we've had like this where we're really emotionally attached to, to an object, maybe our phone, Maybe our um, uh, our teddy bears when we were a little kid. Uh, maybe our car, and, and we see that it's all about our emotions. It's not about the thing in its own self, apart from our emotions. And so, somebody else that doesn't care about the jewel or doesn't understand uh, the the worth of uh, uh, jewels, you, you give it to a monkey, for example. The monkey could play with it and throw it right away. You give it to a little kid. Little kid could throw it away. You give it to somebody who, who just doesn't have this concept in mind. They they don't care. They don't know. It doesn't matter, right? There's a story of, um, uh, I have no idea whether it's true, but, uh, but I have heard the story of Michael Jackson walking onto a plane. And there, uh, of course, uh, uh, everybody there stood up and, oh my goodness, this is crazy, uh, screaming, yelling. And, and out of all the people on the plane, there's just one guy who's sitting there uh, just reading. And so 
uh, Michael Jackson got really disturbed by this because he's used to uh, he was used to a celebrity treatment. The story goes, should we say? Not to say it's factual. And so he goes up to the guy and he's like, "Do you know who I am?" He's like, "No." And he's like, "I'm Michael Jackson." And he's like, "Okay, who's what's that? Right? Who's that?" He's like, "I'm a very famous singer." He's like, "Oh, nice, great." And so so Michael Jackson's even more disturbed. So he he, he takes out a poster. And he's like, "Listen, just for you, buddy, I'm gonna sign this poster and, and give it to you." He signs his poster. The guy takes, okay, thank you. Uh, he, he walks out of, uh, of the plane. He puts it, puts it in the trash. Again, sure or not, it gets the point across uh, that uh, to Michael Jackson is Michael Jackson to the people that knew about and know about Michael Jackson. Not to anybody. To somebody who's never heard of him. It's just the guy. And, and the poster is worth nothing. It's weird. Like, why did you, I don't know who you are. I don't, why did you give me a poster with your picture? Whether it's kind of strange thing here. All right, so it's the same thing. The jewel is like Michael Jackson to, to people. It only has value because we give it value. Same thing for artwork. Uh, somebody who, who doesn't give a hoot about art and has never heard of the Mona Lisa. That same theory you gave them the Mona Lisa. Uh, of course, that wouldn't probably happen at this point with the security and how it's safely guarded. But let's say in theory, we, we gave them the, the Mona Lisa. They say, oh, nice picture, and then put it away somewhere, or even crumple it up and throw it in the trash. Oh, what do I need this old old thing for? But of course, in real life, how many hundreds of millions, if not billions of, of dollars it's worth, whatever it's insured for, say so that's how much it's worth. Um, right, so we say it's not because of something in the paper. It's not because fundamentally, scientifically, under a microscope, we can see the value of the Mona Lisa, right? We look at, look at it under an electron microscope, we're going to see the electron spelling out $100 million. No, it's our value judgments. So anyways, that's an easy point. We get the point. So the same thing is with the jewel. So we, we see it has to do with something uh, concerning the miser's state of mind, how he or she approaches uh, the, the jewel and, and thinks about it. So what is the jewel doing for the miser? And it would seem to be that it's making him or her, let's just say him, just to, to, to save time. It's making him feel good. Um, not to, uh, yeah. So it's making him feel good in the same way that ice cream makes somebody else feel good. The jewel is making him feel good. So the question is, what is it about, it? why is it making him feel good? And it will be the same thing. We would just, oh, because he's greedy now, we have to push further, further, further. And we would say, ultimately, logic very much uh, suggests to us that there must be an underlying desire. That's singular. And because if we, again, if we say it's because he's greedy, no, we have to say, why is he greedy? And we say it's because he... Uh, he, it brings him pleasure. We just say, why does that bring him pleasure? And if we say it's because it's uh, aesthetic or beautiful, why is that found beautiful? So we push and we push and we, we would think that from any given point, right? Whether it's a little kid desiring ice cream or the miser desiring the jewel or somebody else desiring um, uh, fame or wealth or whatever it may be, ultimately it'll lead to the single a single desire, whatever that may be, but only one, right? A singular desire. So we can say that uh, here and leave it kind of at that uh, in this regard, that there's a singular desire that is being served by, uh, that is ultimately, uh, uh, that's ultimately accounting for the particular contingent desire for the jewel. So now let's say that this miser, he, uh, he, he, he has a, he's out somewhere and he has a near-death experience, right? He, uh, maybe a, a car crash, may we be spared, uh, or a, a boulder almost falls on him, or, or a heart attack, or something like this, and all of a sudden, 
he comes face to face with a with a real big reality, which is the reality of death, which is the reality that his body is going to be eaten up by worms or maggots or, or cremated or nowadays, who knows, frozen. If he's a miser, he might try to freeze his body, as some very wealthy people apparently do. Hope to be one day thought out. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it, th this is a real reality, and, and all of a sudden, let's say he, he's been hiding from it all of these years, because part of the appeal, right, part of the appeal of, of uh, uh, something like that is, look at me, I have this, which is, um, which is making me immune to, to death, to destruction, to disease, to, to nothingness, to smallness, right? We, we may not want to, to now try to define the necessary desire, but we can say what it's not, right? It's not a feeling of smallness. It's not a feeling of insignificance. It's not a feeling of nothingness and emptiness. It's none of that, right? So whatever the feeling is, it's con it's a, it's an antidote. It's the opposite, to so say, of any of those feelings. It's not the, 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 to die and disappear into, into absolute nothingness, at least for its own sake. Some people say they want that, but it would be in reference to something else, to escape pain, for example. Right? So it's not any of that. So the jewel was serving that role uh, and, and, and covering up all of these grisly realities of, of death and disease. So now let's say that, again, the miser had this near-death experience and uh, it, he, he comes home and he realizes, oh my goodness, like I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. Like I'm, I'm out of my mind. Like my whole life consists out of hoarding pennies and, and putting them in a sock under my bed. And the, the highest ideal that I have in life is, is this diamond. This is what I'm, I'm looking at. This is what I'm looking to. To, to spare me from from my uh, from my certain death one day uh, this is the, the this is everything that I have in, in the universe it, it, it's bizarre it's, it's garbage right it, it's an illusion so now what would happen in a, potentially right? at least according to the the, the story how, how we're unfolding in here is that the connection between the jewel and this fundamental necessary desire would be snipped it would be cut and now Right? When the, 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 the miser would say, go to look at the jewel, how would he feel? He would feel, he wouldn't just feel neutral about the jewel, he would feel revolted by it. He couldn't even look at it in all likelihood. Why? Because it would be mocking him. It would be a reminder of when he put all his hope into it. And now it showed that it's a false sign. It cannot really save him. So he would probably put it away and never look at it or even potentially sell it. Right? But it wouldn't even be neutral. To, to everything else, it's neutral. Here's the kitchen sink. Here's the floor. The jewel wouldn't be neutral. So we see again, remember that this is all going on in the miser's mind. It's not nothing to do with the jewel in its own self, whatever that could even be. It's nothing to do with the kitchen sink in its own self. It's all these emotional relationships and connection to the desires of the miser. So anyhow, we see that um, this is a way to, to think about it. That, that the, the desire itself, that's singular, that is, we would say, again, we have very, we have a lot of reason to, to, to think is uh, present in, in all of us. It can never go away. Right? So it can never be that we, quote unquote, want nothing. What can happen is that the connection that we make between the things in our life, excuse me, and this desire is cut off just like it uh, happened. Oh, excuse me. Just like happened uh, with the miser between the jewel and his desire. So in other words, what do we do? Every single life, a particular life is, is different, right? One person likes this, another person likes that. One person's psychology is like this, one person's psychology is like that. One person desires this, one person desires that. But we would say that all of these things, ultimately, according to this logic here, 
come down and come back to a single desire, to a single desire. And it's just that this single desire leads to different outcomes in, depending on the circumstances. A person who has these attributes of mind and body and character uh, or temperament develops like this and a person who has those ones develops like that. So, but, but the desire that leads to that, it, we would say, is always the same. Right, so, uh, consequently, everything that we look to, according to this logic, in, in our life is to meet this desire. Again, to, to state it in, in negative terms, it's to not feel like nothing, it's to not feel like nobody, it's to not be in pain, it's to not deal with the prospect of, of absolute nothingness and death and destruction and chaos and all this. So everything we select is based on, uh, on a, uh, our desire to not feel like that and in reference to the fundamental postulated desire we're suggesting is present. So then what can happen is that we can see through uh, well, first I'll say this. So, so it can it be that the something that we select like this can really truly meet our desire? And the answer would seem to be no. With the miser, it's obvious. It doesn't make any sense that to, to suppose that a jewel that one hides in, in his or her socks can ultimately save one. Whatever that is supposed to mean. Uh, that that uh, we have all of life and, and existence and the universe and life and death and um, and all of these kinds of things. And that the, all that I need is just this jewel. Right? Then I don't have to think about my life whatsoever. I don't have to think about my death. I don't have to consider. It's not realistic. It's just not true. So we say that only the, in our story, the life and death experience revealed this to the miser. And then he couldn't look at uh, the, the, the jewel at all. It revolted him because it was deceptive. It's like, you, I counted on you, jewel, to protect me from these feelings that I don't want to feel. And now I feel them. Forget you. I don't want to look at you. All right, so we do the same thing uh, then, like we said, with everything else, but everything else, even if it's not so evidently kind of uh, pathetic as, as the jewel, we would say in reality, it has just as much potential to save us as the jewel. So again, one, one of us, we think what's going to save me, uh, what's going to be my jewel is, is my job. If I just succeed enough in my job, it's going to play the same role for, for me as the jewel played for the miser. Right, if I just succeed at, at my hobby, same thing. If I just like enough art and music and poetry or the right kind, same thing. If I simply uh, move to the right place, same thing. If I earn enough money, if I study enough, if I learn enough facts, if I, um, uh, if I gain enough power, all of these things then are the, like the, to us are like the jewel to the miser. So what can happen? is just like the, the miser realized that it's a false sign. We can realize it's a false sign. And sometimes we can see through this, the, this kind of web of, of uh, make-believe that we've made up. And we can realize, oh my goodness, I'm not saved at all. I'm not saved by my job or my personal life or my interest or my hobbies. Th this is all a farce. I'm just as vulnerable. I, I equally have to deal with these, uh, the, these massive issues of, of life and death and existence and, and all of this. As I did prior, it was just an illusion. It was just me in my fantasy, thinking that if I, again, I just turn the music loud enough, proverbially or literally speaking, I just distract myself enough with, with this or that interest or, or hobby or politic or philosophy or whatever it may be. If I just do that enough, it, I, won't, it, I won't have to deal with anything, right? But, but sometimes we see through. And when that happens, the connection is at least temporarily weakened, if not cut, between our desire our, our single fundamental desire and whatever we uh, before were using the, to, to, to meet it in our mind. And then what happens is that we are revolted by whatever previously interested us. We don't even want to look at it. And everything else 
is neutral. So now what we have is we have a state of, of emptiness and, and nothingness because we still, again, the, the desire didn't go away. But a, a, everything in our in our uh, kind of in our conceptual world, everything in our perception, all, all the objects that we uh, uh, identify as objects, because again, it's not enough to look at something. We have to look at it and interpret it as an object, as the a jewel, as the Mona Lisa, as we explained at the beginning. All these things, they are dead to us. They they have no bearing on us. It's like. Uh, normatively, let's say, before any of this happens, in a totally normal state, what we have connected with, with uh, our desire, how we think we're gonna, we're saving ourselves is, to put it that way, is uh, uh, just the usual, right? Here's uh, here's my place of living. Here's uh, in, in the morning I brush my teeth. I potentially I, I eat something. Then I, I go off to, to earn a livelihood so I can pay my rent and and uh, get some food on the table and things like that. This is all connected, but everything else is not. So then we drive, for example, to work. We're not paying attention to, uh, to, to necessarily the, the strips on, uh, of paint on the pavement. It doesn't mean anything to us, right? Or something, or we're on the radio, some ad doesn't interest us, we turn it off, right? It, it, it doesn't bear on our perceived interest, though, so we pass it right by. So here, all of a sudden, in cases like this, nothing bears on our perceived interest. And everything which did now is serving as a false sign, right? So now we're revolted by it. So now we have on one hand nothing, no no interest at all, totally neutral. And on the other hand, revulsion. I don't want to look at what I was previously interested in. I don't want to think about it. And of course, what's that except what we could call hell, right? It's not a, it's no fun at all. And uh, we see consequently the, the the antidote that we we reach for. It's a very scary feeling, and. Um, we try to re- we try to rekindle our, our interest in something. We try to rekindle the the uh, make a connection again between our fundamental desire and uh, and something or other in our life. Maybe if I j- okay, I just need to dig up that one movie that always got me interested. I need to go to the one park that always brought out the the emotions in me. I need to listen to a very sad song. Maybe that's why people want right. Don't people want that? to cry and feel and uh, things like that in, in response to sad videos. Sad videos get a lot of views on, on YouTube, right? So but that's what people want. I want to feel something, right? Even, the, unfortunately, some people resort to, to self-harm, self-mutilation. I want to feel something, right? Right? Because the alternative is, as we said, it's hell. It's awful. It's intolerable. It's intolerable, however, because we still have that desire. It hasn't gone anywhere, but it's not being met. And in a state of not meeting our fundamental desire, it's again, like we said, it's an awful, awful thing. But normally we, we try to turn to something and if we succeed, we can perhaps rekindle the, the flame, to so speak, and we can reestablish the, uh, the connection between our, our present life and our fundamental desire. And we can, things can go back to normal and we can think, I just have to keep doing what I'm doing and it's going to uh, lead to, to, my, to my greatest good. It's going to lead to me meeting my desire. Right, but the, uh, if, for some people it doesn't work, for, and those are the people that are called depressed and uh, existential, long-term existential crises. They never, it never rekindles for them, and they never see again the point in these kinds of flimsy things. Right? I, I just don't see the point. The person that begins to think of, of uh, the, my job, I don't see the point of, of my house. I don't see the point of, of anything. It's it's so stupid. Right? So here we see both of these approaches are. We're not going to say. That, they are what they are, but we can offer a, a higher approach if we're willing to think a little bit. We can think that, uh, according to at least the reasoning here presented, that, that I, I must have a, a necessary desire. There's no getting out of it. It's just like the worm has it and the ant has it and every animal and, and, uh, and form of life has it. I certainly have it. There's nothing that can ever happen. No disappointment. 
No life and death experience that can ever take away my fundamental desire. So what can happen is that I can wake up and I can realize that meeting my fundamental desire is serious business and I cannot meet it through these kinds of, through, through the equivalent of the jewel for the miser. Right? Just like the miser can wake up and say, I was silly for thinking that the jewel was all that I needed and can start actually living life and being serious, we can do the same thing. Our jewel is again, it could be our job, it could be our personal life, it could be our hobbies, it could be our interest, it could be our ideology, our political ideology, it could be our philosophy, it could, whatever it may be, that's our jewel. But if we ever have a flash like this, well, wow, it's, it's, it's not really anything much to speak of. The response isn't to say nothing matters. And that's where all of these nihilistic philosophies come from. Oh, nothing matters. It's not the, it's not the approach here. It's not the, the only uh, conclusion. The other conclusion is to say, how about I actually start living life? Right? Not simply distracting myself with a jewel, but actually engaging with my existence, which means not running from who and what I am which means not distracting myself every second, which means not hiding from these fundamental basic realities, uh, for example, of death, uh, uh, which means asking the difficult questions of what is it that can be accomplished? What can I do? What can be done with my existence, with life? What? Anything. Tell me, if we really have this desire, we're, we're, we, it stands to reason, but with a little humility uh, and non-attachment, right? Because sometimes we get one answer and that's it. We're attached to it. With a little non-attachment and humility and humor, we, we should be, be uh, on the way to, to gaining some clarity and consequently, hopefully, being able to truly meet our desire in the highest possible way. Because we understand that it, whereas the, the lowest person, the lowest among us and the highest among us equally meets the same, or not equally meets, sorry, that has, equally has, should we say, the same exact desire. The highest person meets it phenomenally and the lowest person meets it not good, meaning the uh, uh, a person, uh, quote unquote, the lowest person, meaning on the scale of development, not to say that same person can't be the greatest person in, in, uh, in some time if they work on themselves, but the way they are now, somebody that has uh, underdeveloped intellect and underdeveloped personality and underdeveloped their uh, they haven't attained yet to humanity. They're in the animal state. They're pursuing their impulses and inclinations nonstop. They're trying to meet the same fundamental desire, but through a, through a petty, animalistic, childish way. And consequently, obviously, happiness is nothing to speak of. On the other hand, somebody that is on a higher level, has developed their intellect, has developed their, their, their personality, character, whatever you want to call it, they are able to meet this desire in a more sustainable and realistic way through character, through mind, through morality, all of these things. And consequently, a person with what we would call a higher level of mental health. But that's just a word. It doesn't explain the phenomena. We would say this explains the phenomena more so conceptually, that the, uh, the necessary desire is being met in a, in a more reality-based way. And so again, in a case like this, when if we have the death of uh, desires, we can either uh, run and try to reestablish the, the former flame that we had, just like the miser. Let's say that the miser is not so insightful. So after this near-death experience, temporarily he can't look at his jewel, but the next day he's back at it. He's like, ah, my precious, right? Just like in that movie. I love you, jewel. I'm back to you. Yeah, let's go. I know now I don't have to worry about my death. I don't have to worry about my development. I don't have to worry about being a human being and not just an impulsive animal. I don't have to worry about my morals. I don't have to worry about my character. I don't have to worry about my intellect, my mind, my understandings, my relationships, my true selfless love uh, for other people and my true selfless service to other people. I don't have to worry about my contribution to humanity. I don't have to worry about any of that. I have you, baby, right? To the jewel, the miser says. 
that would be obviously very pathetic. So it's the same thing by us. When, whenever we have a flash that maybe things are not as they seem, we can either do what the miser did in, in, in that instance and run back to, to our quote-unquote jewel, or we can look further and harder and broader and try to find something real which will really do something for us, all right? So we can think about it, some interesting stuff. Thank you for listening.